0: Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. And good morning to you, a uh, happy Monday. Wow, looking outside there is an incredible amount of rain coming up and it's just, it's that pelting rain which kind of hangs around and eventually soaks into the ground. So if you're on the highways and byways, just take e- take it easy, huh? And just uh, stay tuned to 101.9 high FM. This is the Discam Medical Monday. My name is Cathy Kayla and, uh, I, Love this space because I get to talk to some of the world's most brilliant, brilliant health professionals and, uh, and somebody who's no stranger to high FM and certainly no stranger to the disc medical Monday. It's a chap by the name of Richard Sutton. Yeah let me tell you a little bit about him he currently works with leading athletes and top companies in providing stress and performance solutions now he's working for maria sharapova uh, he's been in professional sport for over 17 years working with two south african national teams a winning olympic team six tennis players who have had number 1 uh, who have been number 1 in the world he's an academic lecturer um, locally and internationally he consults to several of south africa's foremost companies on presenteeism productivity and health you're interested in hearing what else he has to say. I'm sure you are. So, uh, let me welcome Richard Sutton. It's fabulous to have you back.
1: It's so great to be here.
0: It's really, it's wonderful. So today we're talking about stress, but we're not talking about what causes stress, how to define stress, how to cope with stress, but rather the financial impact of stress on families, on the healthcare system, on
1: individuals, on individuals, yes, on ourselves, companies. Right. So you know, that's, it's a very different narrative because so often we focus on the health implications of stress, which are dire. I mean, six of the of the world's major diseases are stress induced. We talk about conflict in in one's life being stress induced, but I really go, I'm going to focus on a different narrative, and the narrative is on personal pressures from a financial perspective and how it's affecting the South African economy and even the infrastructure of the of the world economy. I mean, stress has is a major burden at the moment. And the issue with stress is that it comes in many different shapes and forms. We could have stress because of ill health. We could have stress because of our work environments, our personal lives, relationships. We feel financial pressures. We have, you know, we're in a situation of social isolation. We, we feel undermined by superiors. We we lack appreciation in our lives, in our work. Stress Stress can come about through so many different channels, so many different avenues. And it's unlike other health threats because other health threats – You have a certain degree of control over it. So if we smoke, we can stop smoking. If we take pharmaceuticals, we can cut down on pharmaceuticals. If we drink, if we eat sugar, if we eat badly, if we don't exercise, if we have a negative mindset, all of these things can be changed. But the interesting thing about stress is that it's something that we have very little control over. And, in fact, there was an interesting study, and it was a study by a team at Yale University School of Medicine who collaborated with the University of California. And they were looking at stress, health, behavioral characteristics, how they mitigate stress and and the ill health uh, effects of stress. And what they identified in is that in industrialized nations, the average person is going to be exposed to four to five stresses every single week. So when I say, you know, the, what's the best thing to do about stress, stress avoid stress. Monday,
0: Tuesday, Wednesday,
1: Thursday, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stress Tuesday. a day uh, during a working week. But, but when the narrative or, or when the message is stress avoidant, it's completely unrealistic. And in many instances, the narrative of stress avoidance is a stress in, unto itself because it's impossible. So really we want to focus on resilience, change of mindset, change in the environments that actually provoke the stress in the first place. But I just want to give you a snapshot as to the impact of stress on the world economy. And I think that the best, the best way to describe it or the best way to go into this narrative is to, to highlight the countries that impact us the most.
0: Okay. Before, before we get there, just in case anybody in South Africa hasn't, or anywhere in the world hasn't actually heard the shows that we have done together on stress, can you just give us a synopsis um, of what causes stress. Because something that you said that was so interesting, it's not a matter of how to get rid of stress. It's how to cope with stress. Exactly. Because especially if you're living in South Africa where the government is making decisions for us that we might not always agree with, things that are out of our control, that's going to up our stress level, um, which is in reference to what you're saying now. And it's just contextualizing it a
1: bit. Exactly, exactly. Now, the interesting thing about what you just said is I'm about to answer that. In this, in this talk, I mean, you're always, you're always a little ahead of the game, but fundamentally our biggest stress in life is the work environment. 60, 60, 65% of our stress comes from the work environment and policies there, therein. And I'm going to describe it. I'm going to go through the, okay. the literature and, and some studies and, but the elements that really cause our stress, I'm, I'm just going to break it down, you know, kind of unpack it a little bit are lack of control in our lives. When we feel we don't have control in our lives, that is our stress. When we feel we have minimal or limited social support, that is a stress. When we feel we don't get rewarded for our efforts, there's no appreciation, there's no prospects going forward, we're not compensated financially effectively, that in itself is a stress. When we feel there's injustice in our life, that is a stress. Unemployment is a stress. High demands is a stress. So there's 10 major stresses that we're confronted with, and the vast majority of them, ironically, come from the work environment. And that's why I really wanted to get into this side of of the stress talk. And if you want to find out more, I've, I've written a book on the topic, how you can self-manage. But but fundamentally, you've got to start at the source. You've got to identify where is it coming from, how do we change it, and how do we move forward, and what are we faced with at the moment? So if we're looking at a snapshot, the world. I'm going to use the U.S., the U.K. and South Africa as a snapshot. At the moment, according to researchers, the burden on the U.S. economy From a financial perspective of stress is $300 billion annually. Now, what they're saying is that it's the work environment, not necessarily working hard, but the work environment that is a major trigger. Most people cite the work environment and financial pressures. This is one of the wealthiest nations in the world, and they're saying that financial pressures are one of the biggest reasons for stress in their life. But there was a very interesting study on the relationship between workplace stresses and mortality and health costs in the U.S., and it was by a team of Harvard and Stanford researchers looking at the burden and, and looking to actually change policy within the U.S. in order to mitigate this. And what they found was that policies within the work environment, structures, cultures within the work environment are responsible directly for 120,000 premature deaths alone in the U.S., making it the sixth largest contributor to premature mortality in the U.S., I'm not saying a cough or flu, I'm saying premature death, just policies within the work environment. Gross. They also monetized what it's costing the healthcare system, and what they were able to establish is that stress is costing the healthcare system, that is in stress induced by the work environment specifically, not outside the work environment, it's costing the healthcare system $174 billion annually. Which is about that, 8% is that added of added to the
0: 300 billion.
1: That's included in the 300 billion. Wow. So that's quite significant. But I want to get back to the causes of stress in the first place in the U.S. 72% of Americans at the moment are saying that financial pressures are the leading cause of stress in their lives. But the interesting thing about financial pressures is it puts you personally under more stress and it puts an organization that you work for under stress. Because what it manifests in is a decline in physical and mental health. You get to work. You're less productive. There's presenteeism where you're basically disengaged at work and possibly absenteeism. So now what we're seeing is a scenario where you, you're coming to work, you're ineffective, it's costing the organization, it's costing you, you're getting more stress because of the financial implication, and the cycle is perpetual, it doesn't stop.
0: But how? But it's counterintuitive. I mean, if you are buying a home, as an example, right, you're going to take on an additional financial cost, but you're buying that home in order to create a safe environment and a loving place and possibly a soft place to land for yourself and obviously for your family. So you're doing that intuitively to counteract stress,
1: Conceptually. You mean t-
0: conceptually, you're right. Conceptually to counteract stress, but what actually, what's actually happening is causing you more stress.
1: Very much so. But that's if you've overextended yourself. So in concept, it's great to have, you know, to provide the safe environment. But if you overextend yourself, all you're thinking about is the bond repayment and can you make it this month? And if you can't make it, how are you going to leverage your credit cards? But that that is the nature of the world at the moment. And what my, my point here is that we as South Africans think that we're the only ones under financial pressure at the moment. But, Individuals in one of the, the wealthiest countries in the world are also in the same situation. 72% of the American population are saying that we are worried about financial pressures. We have financial concerns. <laughs> That's significant. But let's move away from the States for a second. Let's go to the UK. What's happening in the UK at the moment? So just if, if I take data from two years ago, and they haven't published uh, last year's report yet. This is um, in a, in a, the most incredible. Um, it's, in bar, it's the
0: um, Is it the NHS?
1: It's a branch of the NHS. Yeah. And basically what they discovered was that 12.5 million working days are lost every single year due to stress alone, nothing else. 12.5 million days in the, US, the U.K. economy are lost every single year because of stress. But the interesting thing I'd like to just kind of tie into the U.S. a little bit is that 44% of individuals cite that workload and work environment are the leading cause of stress in their lives. If you look at absenteeism in the UK at the moment, 50%. So one in two people do not come, who are absent from work, cite stress as the primary reason. And if I put a number to it, how many people is this affecting? Well, half a million workers in 2017 reported suffering from stress-related health disorders. But this is, this is like a national average. I'm not talking about Pockets. I'm talking about national average. If you go into the pockets and, and individual organisations or individual very specific professions, it gets a lot worse. So if we look at significant stress related health issues, so you know I'm I'm suffering from the six major th- diseases that are triggered by stress: cardiovascular, neurological, autoimmune, etc. If I were to in my organization, I have a company of 20 people. How many people would be likely to be suffering from these type of ailments? At most about one and a half percent. Okay. One and a half percent. Significant health issues attributed to stress. I'm not talking about a cough or flu being yeah. a little bit down, a little bit anxious. I'm talking about significant.
0: But it depends what industry you're in so as well.
1: exactly what I'm saying. So it, it, that is the generic for business, healthcare, teaching, public service and media. That's the, that's the general trend. But if I want to focus on specific Profession. I'm going to highlight law. All of a sudden, that 1.2% goes up to 4.4%. Yeah. If I go to social social workers and the welfare sector, again, 4.4% and higher. Finance. Finance also within that within that zone. But I want you to remember these figures because we're looking at 4% of an organisation or four and a half percent of an organization 45 percent of an organization Very stressed work environments are suffering from significant health issues within the UK. Remember that figure because now I want to get into South Africa. So we're seeing the snapshots. Uh, in in the U.K., work-related environments, that's the issue. In the U.S., work-related environments and financial pressures, that's the issue. What's happening to South Africa? So the first thing we have to look at is how do we rate to the rest of the world? Interesting study. Bloomberg. Looking at 74 nations, who's the most stressed in the world? Looking at seven equally weighted variables, GDP per capita, homicide rates, income inequality, and so on. And who comes out at number two in the world? South Africa. Really? Because oh, the we've, second we've gone down because
0: last time we were in number one.
1: No, we've two never years been number ago. one. Weren't we weren't no, we're number one? No, no. I mean, uh, I'm sure so we're working our way up yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, second play. we got the silver medal in, in stress. But we've also got the silver mis- uh, medal in misery. So there's a very interesting index also run. It's not a Bloomberg index, but Bloomberg does an index. It's where they evaluate 60 nations and they look at two things, rates of inflation and annual unemployment. And they're able to predict what's happening to the man on the street, how the man on the street is feeling.
0: That's an incredible
1: study. Incredible. You can Google. It's, It's called the misery index, incredible index. So where does South Africa rate in the misery index? Number one. <laughs> we're number two. Uh, again. Uh, so f- we, we second That's in the most stress. We're second in most stress, second in, in, um, in the misery index. I mean, if only our sports teams could be at this, at this <laughs> level. I mean, one thing we're really doing well <laughs> at is, is stress <laughs> and misery. But, but there, there are reasons for it. And, and uh, yeah, I can expand on that uh, a little bit later, but let's, let's take a snapshot, um, with regards to South Africa. What's happening? So, what is stress directly costing South African? Directly costing the South African economy, they say forty billion rand a year direct cost of stress, according to a team at Sillimbos University. If I take data from Liberty, Profmed, and Momentum, we're looking at a prevalence of stress related illnesses. Remember that figure from the UK, four point four, in South Africa, in the general fields of eleven percent. That is significant. So if we say in general fields in the UK, it's 1.1, 1.2%, we We're 10 times higher. If we go to speciality fields where, where it's very high pressure situation, it's long working hours, we're be. looking at 30 plus percent. Wow. But we also know, according to this data, that 30% of professionals are not managing their strengths. These stress, and these are educated individuals. The data is taken from, from people who are higher up within the, the organization and the employment chain. If I look at critical illness claims, Almost fifty percent of critical illness claims are, at the moment are in those under fifty years old. We would never think uh, you go back a decade, it would never be the case. Now what are, what are the primary causes? The primary causes may be stress. it may be other factors like environment, proliferation of electromagnetic fields very unregulated in South Africa. but, but whatever the case is that in itself is a stress is that more and more young people are their critical illness claims, chronic diseases that are debilitating and compromising their ability to work. And then what really stands out is retrenchment claims. Last year's all-time high, 17%. The impact, now this, this is an interesting thing. The, the employment question or the unemployment question in South Africa. What is the official data? I read a report this morning, 30%, 7%, not official data. If you look at official data, it's in the 25, 26% range. Irrespective, let's say, let's make the assumption it's in the 25s. We're going to take the low indices. That means that 6.2 million people unemployed in South Africa or have lost their jobs or, or a certain percentage yeah. have lost yeah. their jobs. Yeah. Now, there was a very interesting study, and it was on the relationship between workplace stresses and mortality and health costs in the U.S., but it, it was able to say what is the effect of unemployment on health or being retrenched on health for a year following a retrenchment. And they, they were able to establish that you've got an 80% chance of poor health in an unemployed state, 80% chance of poor health. Or being retrenched. And even if you get a job, they were saying, within the next year, you're still going to have poor health. The shock and the trauma is still lingering and it's still impactful. But there's also another factor. And that what they discovered was your increased risk of dying prematurely in a state of unemployment goes up to 44 to 100% in the coming year. So if you lose your job in the coming year, there's a serious risk of premature mortality according to the study. But for me, what is most impactful and most relevant at this point in South Africa's history and this point in the world's history, is the impact on depression. If you're unemployed, we've got 6.2 million people. Yeah. The risk of depression is 100%. So let's let's.
0: And does it does it um, determine whether that is short-term depression following a crisis? You know, a loss, of, a loss of somebody or loss of a job in this case specifically, or is it long term chemical depression?
1: So it's a depressed state where you're disengaged from society, from your family for a period of two weeks or longer. Sure. It's not, I'm not feeling down It's not like I'm feeling down today. I, I'm, I'm really disengaged and disconnected from the world. Yeah. So that, that, that is what we're confronted with. But let's, let's look at the South African depression landscape. So first of all, I want to say that a lot, the work environment is a big contributing factor. There was actually 16 studies involving 63,000 participants looking at certain elements within a work environment. And what they found was when work environments lacked a certain, certain elements, which I don't want to get into today. That's another show on its, on its own. But when work environments were Nuance to a certain style or a certain approach, a certain culture. It increased the rates of depression and depressive ep- episodes quite considerably. They could almost link work environments to depression rates.
0: That would make sense.
1: And this, we're looking at 16 studies was a meta-analysis, 63,000 participants. I think that's pretty sound research. But let's look at the depression crisis in South Africa. If you're looking at previously diagnosed Depression rates in South Africa. So this is according to a 2016 study in Social Psychiatry and Psychiatric Epidemiology. And they were looking at previously reported depression rates in South Africa, current depression rates in South Africa, absenteeism, presenteeism, stress, and the relationship between all those variables. Most incredible study. They looked at eight, actually eight countries. So the countries were the US, Brazil, Canada, Mexico, China, South Korea, and Japan, and obviously South Africa. And what they found was that One in four people in South Africa has been diagnosed with depression. One in four individuals. And our diagnostics are not great. I mean, we we can't reach so many people in our nation. So that is a very high statistic. But I'm talking about people who have previously experienced depression, not people who are currently in the throes of depression. So what they did was they investigated what is the prevalence of depression globally and in these local environments, the global world average, we take industrialized nations, unindustrialized nations, we, we're looking at everyone together is about 4.4%. That's the prevalence of depression, 350 million plus people diagnosed with depression. But again, diagnostics is an issue. I mean, you, if you're going to certain countries in Africa, South America, and Asia, you're not going to be getting diagnostics. You know, it's, depression is prevalent, but ne- not necessarily diagnosed in, in a statistical model. If you look at the industrialized nation, which is far more predictive, far more accurate, we're looking at 7.2%. So if you're looking at the U.S., the U.K., Europe, Australia, the the prevalence of depression is is 7.2%. But then we get to South Africa, the current prevalence within the work environment within your organization. So let's say you have a small business. You employ 10 people. You're looking at one in eight of those individuals to be suffering right now with depression. So it's gone up. So we're looking at previously diagnosed, 1 in 4. Current diagnostic or current situation, 1 in 8. Which means those 1 in 4 can, any at any moment, the 1 in 8 can become a 1 in 4 is what I'm saying. Is it's, it only going up in South Africa? It's going up in certain countries. The state is about 1 in 10. But South Africa at the moment is, is 1 in 8 in, in terms of current depression rates. So, that speaks to quality of life. That speaks to, but remember, let's, let's go back. Let's, let's, let's take a step back for a second. What is one of the prime, what are one of the primary drivers in depression? Certain elements within the work environment, according to certain research, certain elements within the work environment. Yes, there's chemical, um, influences, there's inflammatory influences, there's, but those things can be largely triggered by our perception of the environment around us. But what depression causes is presenteism. So I'm, I'm feeling down. I'm feeling low. I'm arriving at work. How effective am I?
0: You're just there in body. You're I'm not, there you're in you're body, just effective. trying to
1: get the day, get through the day. Now this study, which was, which I've, I've talked about, this, it's entitled Glo- Global Patterns of Workplace Productivity for People with Depression, Absenteeism and Presenteeism, costs across eight diverse countries. So that was the study. According to the study, stress induces depression. Depression induces presenteeism. You know, coming to work, disengaged, disconnected, and the cost per individual on the organisation. Any, you want to take a guess per year? Sure. According to the study, I mean, it's the first time in history that we're talking been able millions or billions. No, we're talking thousands.
0: Thousands. No clue.
1: Okay, eighty-two thousand rand a year per person, who's the per person? So it per is person. millions and billions. Well, if you're looking at South Africa as a nation, it's two hundred billion rand a year. Two hundred billion rand a year. Because of stress-induced depression on organizations. If you want to change the economic landscape of a nation, you've got to go into the heart of the company. The heart of policies.
0: Incredible. You want to
1: put a dollar, a dollar figure on this is about $6,100. In the States, $5,500 per person. That is the cost of presenteeism induced by Depression induced by stress in the work environment.
0: Yeah. Some messages have come through and if you want to also engage and you want to join the conversation, you can do so. Uh, my guest is Richard Sutton. He's, uh, you can hear he's a very, very impressive guy. He knows what he's talking about. And, uh, you know, we don't mind, you don't mind being challenged, right?
1: Uh, I, I encourage it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dialogue so is good. There
0: you go. There you go. He wants to hear from you as well. 34519. That's a text line. Those texts are charged at one Rand 50. You can also, uh, Get hold of us on WhatsApp, and that number is 61 I'm seeing uh, that at present there's only SMSs coming through, so uh, I'm going to ask you to just uh, SMS us on 34519. All right, so there's a huge money to be made from misery, Richard, says uh, one of our listeners. World wars have kept us going. Money, money, money. That actually goes on to say uh, doctors earn money. Ask your guest what he earns per month. He won't tell you. Ask anyway from Avi. So I think Avi, it's firstly, I think it's very rude to ask anybody, irrespective of who they are, what they earn. <laughs> but, uh, also understand that Richard is one of the best in the world. You know, he's currently contracted to Maria Sharapova. He has worked with the top sports people in the world. And, uh, you know what? I think that when you're that specialized
1: and you're that good at what you do, you should be paid top But But top let's, dollar. let's, let's move. Let's but just it, push the, the financial elements beside yeah. But the whole point of this talk is self empowerment. It's not to depend on an individual. It's not to go to an individual. It's self empowerment. It's such a, it's actually a great, a great statement that, uh, Avi's made. And I actually, I think it's brilliant because my, in the beginning of my career, it was all about treatments and management. At this stage of my career, it's about empowering people so that you don't have to get to that point. Because once you're at that point, it's almost impossible to get back. You're the CEO of your he- own health. The more you know, the more you're capable of making the necessary changes that can I offset that that the potential ailments, the, the, the potential illnesses, the potential decline in physical and mental health. So what I'm saying is get the knowledge. Obtain the knowledge. The knowledge is free. Yeah. The knowledge is free and apply it. So just to answer his point this it 's not an economic or it's it 's not a punt for doctors this is This is really about self empowerment it 's about knowledge it 's about taking control
0: yeah Nathan is agreeing with us or uh, certainly about stress um in South Africa, he says that it 's very high because they're entirely due to the government 's obsession with uh humiliating and harming white people, which is a perception right it's a which in turn, our perceptions can also add to our stresses.
1: Well, perception is – We, we can change our perception. Absolutely. We can change
0: how we remember incidents, how exactly. we remember – You know, that's one we of can the, reframe the, things, and exactly that's that's, what, that's
1: one of the key management tools in stress is reframing situations, knowing that we're confronted with challenges and seeing it in different light yeah, seeing it as an opportunity to rise to the challenge, seeing it as an opportunity to prove otherwise. Yeah. As opposed to we – it is – you know, the thing is one of the major triggers and stress in our lives is unfairness or lack of justice. Any environment that has any form of prejudice in in, any respect – and we've got a long history of prejudice, 100 years, 200 – I actually don't even know how many years. But those environments are very high-stress environments, and maybe that correlates to our number two ranking, you know, in terms of stress. So, so I mean, these are all the great comments. I mean, it's fantastic. All right. You want to add to your great comment?
0: I'm sure that you have one, and you know what? It's worthwhile. 34519, that's a text line, and those texts are charged at one rand 50 Okay, so, Richard, we've spoken about all the stats. It is – can we talk about what those – stresses actually are When you say the environment The work environment Or is that a whole different So that's concept? a whole let,
1: I need to go into the detail And then yourself is a show but but as I was saying, it's it's really – it's where you feel you have no authority at work. You've got no voice at work. Where you feel that there's no support in the work environment.
0: Unappreciated.
1: Where you're unappreciated. Where you feel there's no career prospects going forward. Where you feel there's injustice and lack of fairness. Those are the environments that really force us to introvert. And you can't
0: leave because of the overall economic
1: situation. The economic picture is falling,
0: Yeah, which are not falling out of the sky.
1: But at the end of the day, the winners and losers are the same. The individual and the organization – can be both the beneficiary or can be the loser in this in this in, in this instance. So there's a vested interest for both individuals to mitigate these stresses, and more so the organisation because the cost on the organisation per stressed individual. Let's say you've got 100 employees. That, that's a lot of you know. If one in eight is suffering from uh, depression induced presenteeism, which is costing the organisation 82,000 rand a year, that is a significant amount of money. So
0: what do organizations, companies do? What are the solutions? So
1: that's what we're going to talk about now. I think the organizations have to take the lead. And you can take the lead in your own mini-organization. You know, if you've got four employees, you can take the lead. And these principles are fundamental to everything we do in life. We have a stress footprint. We can actually impact people around us to an extent that we, we can't even conceptualize. And if we take responsibility for our stress footprint, an organization takes responsibility for its stress footprint, the landscape has just spontaneously changed, but let's talk about the, the 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 technicals. So, if you want to change the landscape, typically what a lot of people do is try and throw money at it. I mean, that's that's the normal response. The U.S. leads the world per cap in per capita health spending, but health outcomes in the U.S. and I'm talking about cancer, cardiovascular diseases, um, and those type of chronic diseases, are. Poorer than most other industrialized nations and at best on par. So what I'm saying is that just throwing money at a problem, you know, stress, health is not necessarily going to create a solution. I mean, a great example is General Motors. They actually, there, there was a report I read a few weeks ago that they're spending more on healthcare at the moment than they do on steel. So a car manufacturing company.
0: That's incredible. Their biggest
1: expense is healthcare. It's not steel. So how do we really change the landscape? Where do we start? I think that, as I, as I mentioned, the organization must take the initiative. We, if we influence people around us, must take the initiative. Health and stress reduction programs are becoming more popular, as we know. I mean, Vitality has been a pioneering force in this, and they've been incredible. Uh, there was actually an interesting, there was a 2013 Rand Corporation report saying that half the U.S. companies who have, more than 50 employees actually have some sort of wellness program because they are identifying these problems they're, they're identifying that they are identifying that people's stress and ill health is affecting the bottom line and they need to make the change in order to become more profitable hmm. it makes sense it makes perfect sense so the question is do they work you know that's you know is 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 Putting a gym in the – if you put a gym in the organization, if you, you get counselors, if you get therapists, if you get a whole bunch of, of tests done on a regular basis, is it going to work? And you always have to go to the literature for the answer, and the literature is very clear, very mixed. So some programs work incredibly. That's interesting. And some programs don't work at all. So where is the disparity coming in? What is the issue? So were three Harvard researchers, one was a professor of health economics, another was a professor of economics, and, and they had a Ph.D. student who assisted them on it. And they looked at what workplace wellness programs and could they generate savings, and they wanted to quantify it. So if you spend one rand, how much are you likely to benefit? Are you going to lose that rand? Are you going to be able to gain it on, in, in certain areas? And they looked at hundreds of studies, and they came up with 36 high-quality studies. Very, very like bulletproof, back-to-back, everything was in place, and they could use that data to create an opinion. Now, these studies included health risk assessments. So when we go in, we have our cholesterol, our glucose, our blood pressure. You know, We do an aerobic test. We do a strength test, those type of tests. In fact, 80% of health programs are, are geared around that, and it's very effective. And, and we do it with, for our vitality, and it's an amazing thing. And I think it's changed a lot of lives. We also had programs within this meta-analysis, this group of 36 studies that looked at self-help education materials, which are quite common. You know, the email that comes in on a Monday morning saying, don't drink too much coffee, at elevated adrenaline. it elevates adrenaline and makes you more stressed. Uh, there was individual counseling, which is becoming more popular, classes, seminars, group activities just to inspire and motivate. And what's becoming increasingly pop- popular is incentivized uh, health programs where You know, the more you participate, the more financial rewards there are in in some context within organisations. And I mean, discovery leads the way in that. I mean, they're incredible, incredible model. So what they found, the bottom line, after all this data wafting through hundreds of studies, coming up with the thirty-six of the best studies, what they found that for every dollar or every rand or every pound you spend, you're likely to drop healthcare or medical expenses by three dollars, three rand, three pound and you're likely to drop absentees by almost $3 rand or pound.
0: That's 75% so, return. On your- so
1: that is an enormous return. Yeah. So we're looking at a return of, of 5 rand, 80 per rand spent on a properly constructed wellness program. But again, we're looking at exceptional wellness programs. What happens if we then go and look at just general wellness programs? Do they translate? So there was it was the the article was entitled it was actually in the American Journal of Health Promotion and it looked at multi-component works out health programs. Do they generate returns and the same thing? They were showing a five point eight uh, a 580% return on investment. The bottom line: for every rand or every dollar you spend, you're going to get five rand eighty or five dollars eighty or five pound eighty back. And if I if I just use, you know, one of the the conclusions of of that th- big meta-analysis, it says our review of the evidence suggests that large employers adopting wellness programs see substantial positive returns even within the first few years of adoption. So, so that that for me really really says a lot. But what they're referring to is, just to yeah. to just before you you um, interject is that they were looking at lower replacement costs for, uh, repla- cost for absent workers. They were looking at reduced turnover of staff, reduced absenteeism, reduced health care costs. Um, they're also looking at advantages in attracting key staff members to the organization, general over-improved health, all things that can actually improve the bottom line with, within the organization. They were looking at, and their position statement was, yes, they do work.
0: It's incredible because I was actually reading something on, on Google. Um, the Google company, apparently one of the most highly, highly stressed environments. And they've got things where you can take your dog to work and they've got slides and they've got snack places and they've got chill rooms and they've got all these different zones to try and help their employees. But their employees are very, very stressed people because they are working round the clock.
1: I love where you've gone with this. Because... Despite the fact that wellness programs work, there are three fundamental issues. There are three reasons why there are inconsistencies in the literature, and some organizations, despite having the best wellness program, have no benefits. And the first reason is that there was a report, 2013, report involving 600,000 individuals from seven companies showed that rigid work schedules prohibit the use of wellness programs. 50% of people in organizations are too busy to use the services and facilities. Half the organization. So unless you change the structure of the day, change the organization at its core. And how people work. and how, Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Long working yeah. hours, high demands. You, you cut that or you manage that to a certain degree. Your wellness program is going to be wasted. 50% of individuals, according to this, I mean, 600,000 people. It's a lot of people. Wellness programs, 50% of people don't use wellness programs. And that's, that is what's happening at Google. Because they're under time pressure. Under time pressure. But there's another primary issue. The second of the three issues. And that is that wellness programs often fail to address the primary issue. What is the primary issue? What what is the primary cause of stress in our lives? Feeling out of control. Feeling out of control. The work environment. Yeah. It's the work environment. So the work environment is the major cause of stress in our lives. And what they're doing is they're saying, okay, well, we're going to improve your health and your well-being. But we're not addressing the core, the issue, the, the reason you are stressed in the first place. You might be addressing the way you manage your stress to a certain extent, but not the fundamental driver in that crisis in your life. There was actually a very interesting s- systematic review. So it was basically, um, it was 15 years of research that involved 90 study, a team of Australian researchers looking at wellness programs, health programs I- within the corporate environment and how they rate, how they work their benefits and their their downsides. And they gave high-rating programs or high-rating to programs that involved the organization saying, come, guys, we've got to change our policies a little bit, change our organization, change our culture a little bit, and looking after the individual, so treating the cause and the symptom. They gave a moderate rating to programs that just address the organization, so you can't put it all in the hands of the organization. You've got to take responsibility as an individual and they gave it a moderate rating and they gave a low rating to programs that focus only on individuals and individual health what do all our programs today focus on the individual hmm. very few programs focus on the core and the core requires leadership it requires leaders and managers to change styles and that's sometimes a little bit challenging but it's actually so easy
0: so as companies you know i don't know let's, it, let's look at as, as an example gfm right yes so We've got a reasonably small, but very effective team, thank God. Um, if we wanted to implement a wellness program, I mean, how would we even go about it? Where do you start? Exactly. Where do we start? I mean, you know, we've got a trampoline in the studio. (laughs) So, (laughs) that's a different reason, but, um, you know, do we always have to outsource it or can we do our own? I think that you're going to
1: have to have a consultant as an expert in the area, in the field. The first place to start is identifying there's 10 stresses in the work environment, looking at those stresses, and how can you mitigate that? Because you're going to get the best out of your team. The second thing is to encourage employee wellness, eating better, exercising more, environmental awareness. You put those two things together, all of a sudden, you've created profitability. You've changed your bottom line. Because that one in eight or that one in four that's likely to be a financial burden to the organization has disappeared. yeah. Has disappeared. But if I go back, so let me just quickly go back one stage to the, that systematic review, uh, in the journal, uh, the international journal of occupational and environmental health, looking at 90 studies over 15 years. When they say just, if you're focusing only on the individual, I just want to quote them because it's so effective, the quote, individual focus, low rated approaches are effective only at the individual level, favorably affecting individual level outcomes, but tend not to have favorable impact on the organization itself. So what I'm saying is that If you focus on the individual, the individual is a beneficiary, the organization is not a beneficiary, and it's a partnership. But remember, I said there are three reasons why health and wellness programs fail to deliver. And this is the third and one of the most important reasons. In a three-month period, this is the best way of just just giving you an understanding, the average employee within an organization is going to be exposed to 23 Million words or numbers, so that's the amount of stimulus that they're exposed to. 2.3 million words or numbers they're going to be exposed to in a three-month period. So now I come in, I say, okay, well, look, we're going to change things. I'm, I'm going to motivate you. I'm going to give you a seminar. We're going to do some podcasts. We're going to we're going to we're going to just create a little bit of inspiration for change. At best, at best, the health educator comes in. And in a three-month period, with an aggressive campaign or a fairly aggressive campaign, will expose the group to between thirteen and fifteen thousand words or numbers. So, on average, two and a half million or two point three million numbers and words they're exposed to over a three-month period. I come in with my program, thirteen to fifteen thousand words, numbers. We've got a big problem. of the communication that employees encounter does not involve the new vision, so how can they internalize it? So what I generally find with with the programs that I implement is that it's bombarding. You've got to create energy, and you've got to drive the energy. I I don't expose 150000 is my goal of exposure in a three-month period. Okay, just explain
0: this. Just explain this. I'm completely lost on this whole concept. No problem. Sorry.
1: Okay, so... What we're saying is that in a normal job, yes, over a three-month period, you're exposed to a lot of stimuli. You know, emails, faxes, uh, charts, graphs, what you need to do, where you're going to go, information. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: So surrounding that, jo- that, that work environment or job, you're going to be exposed on average, according to industrial psychologists, two and a half million words, 2.3 million words and numbers. So that's the level of information going in for three months. I then come in with new ideas, new concepts. I want to innovate. I want to create an exciting right. new reality for the organization. And I come in hard. You know, We say, okay, well, let's get this guy for a talk. Let's get this guy to do a little podcast for us. Let's get this guy to do a roundtable panel discussion. And even if you've gone in quite strong, at most I can expose those individuals or the group or the team to around 13, 14,000 words. To compare with, two, you with, can't compare. With, with so, if, if the vast majority of your stimuli is centered around not the new ideas, the new in innovations that you want to create, or the the, the new concepts within the organisation, how can you expect someone to internalise it? And that is the third reason why a lot of wellness programs don't work because they don't immerse the individual enough.
0: Sure, but you know, it, so where do you find the balance between doing what it is your your comp, that your company does versus the, the becoming efficiency a, a and a health, effectiveness
1: of your company healthcare will, be enhanced, will be enhanced. There is a balance and that's why you got to bring in the expert and ask the expert what they feel they need to do. There is a balance there, but you can't take it on yourself because where's your expertise? For example, yours is in radio, yeah. communication, networking. That's your expertise. So how can you be an expert in changing the landscape of your organization from that culture to now health culture or performance culture. You need someone to, in whatever context it is, you need someone to assist in that regard.
0: So, so interesting. Um, Hugh thinks that I need to listen to you more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> <Thanks> you, Hugh. <laughs> very <grateful. laughs> Don't give your subjective opinion so readily. Wait and listen, and listen is in is in big caps. Okay, so Avi's actually shouting at me. Sorry, not Avi, um, Hugh. Thanks, Hugh. Uh, by the way, if you want to join the conversation, you're welcome to. Uh, it seems that our WhatsApp line doesn't seem to be uh, working, so please can you just... Get in touch with us via SMS 34519. My name is Kathy Kaler, and my guest today is Richard Sutton. He currently works with leading athletes and top companies in providing stress and performance solutions. He's written a book. Uh, He now works for Maria Sharapova. He's been in professional sport for over 17 years, working with two South African national teams, a winning Olympic team, six tennis players who have been number one in the world. He's an academic lecturer locally and internationally, and he consults to several of South Africa's foremost companies on presenteeism, productivity, and health. He's also author of The Stress Code. You can uh, go and check that out. Go and get yourself a copy. It's uh, available at Exclusive Books. Everywhere. No, yeah, everywhere. And uh, if you want to get to his website, you can do that. It's uh, dot .co.za. Dot yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, Saturn Health.
1: So I think, I think yeah. that it's important. There's been a lot of information. It's been a, a huge overload in terms of facts and figures, and I, I think it's a, an important opportunity now to just consolidate what I've what I've tried to say, or what the message is of of today. So what what I'm saying is that stress has a major in, in impact on your financial well being, on organisational prof, profitability, and it's having an enormous impact on the South African economy. So that's the first point. I've also identified what is the primary trigger in stress in our lives: principally work or unemployment. Those are the big stresses. Okay, and South Africa's got. So if you got do issues. work, you stress. And if you don't <laughs> work, you stress. Then. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> okay. exactly. I also was pointing out that wellness programs do work and can provide significant returns. So if you're trying to trying to change the organisation, trying to change your internal environment, you want to become a performance culture. Um, you want to lower absenteeism, you want to lower presenteeism, you want to increase engagement, a wellness program can be the answer. It can be the answer. But there are limitations with wellness programs. Not each program is created equal. If you focus too much on the individual, you're going to find that the individual is a beneficiary, but the organization that needs to benefit as well It's a partnership is not a beneficiary. And that's what the research is saying. And that that that's coming off the back of 15 years of research, and 90 studies. So it's uh, got a lot of credibility. The one thing I also really want to point out is that management practices, management styles, organizational cultures either produce or mitigate stress. So if you want to cut stress off at the legs, you've got to change policy subtly. And it's, it's the most amazing thing. It's small changes, small changes that are going to change the culture, change the give landscape, an example. It, giving people more authority. So let's, okay. So let's, let's, we're in a work environment now and you've got, you micromanaged by a manager. Everything, you've got no latitude to think. Oh, gosh, it's no t- like
0: having somebody <clears throat> look over your shoulder, read what you're typing.
1: All your decisions are questioned. You have no, no latitude to think. You've got no latitude to make decisions. You've got no latitude to act. Um, it feels, the environment feels, from an emotional perspective, very suppressive. Yeah, now, that starting, environment, yeah. according to 16 studies involving 63,000 people, causes depression. Just by having someone micromanage you, be very tight on the reins, you feel down. You feel low. Ineffective. Ineffective. feel, feel, you ineffective. feel ineffective. Self-worth is, is yeah, low. exactly. You just don't feel that you have the capacity to be a, a benefit to the organization. You don't feel that you are valued. Now, as the manager who wants to get more out of the individual, what do you do? You relax the reins. So if it's not perfect, it's not perfect. You then next revisit that is the it next another time. time. So, okay, well. And it should give them more decision latitude if you feel you have more control. Just to get... I mean—I just want to bring another study in quickly. So there was two major studies that cracked the code on what causes stress in our lives. Those studies were known as the Whitehall studies that involved 30,000 people over a 40-year period. And what they found was lack of control in the work environment where you feel you've got no authority, no voice in a work environment is the single biggest cause of stress in our lives.
0: I can believe that.
1: So what I'm saying is that the manager... The organization, the leader, the guy at the top who says, okay, let's, let's, let's involve them in decision. Let them participate. Whether you take the opinion or not, it's actually irrelevant. It's the participation in the group decisions. The decision making latitude that you afford them. Let the reins out a little bit. You provide that environment. All of a sudden the stress landscape has changed completely. The one in eight who is stressed, you just neutralize that. The one in four who could be stressed and depressed. You've neutralised that.
0: Gosh, I'm thinking about people in banks, where somebody ha- always has to check things that you're doing. I mean, that must I've be been,
1: incredibly stressful. But I've been in that situation countless times. I've been uh, I've been with professional teams, professional organisations, uh, from a sporting perspective exclusively, yeah. where you do get micromanaged, and it's a very difficult situation to to thrive in.
0: Aside from that, you're not bringing your, your inherent agent.
1: value. You're not bringing your yeah exactly. Your but you have to earn your right. You have to earn your place. So, I'd say in the beginning, certainly a lighter rain, a lighter lead, and then just expand it as as confidence is building and as the the person is is gaining the respect and and the necessary yeah. credibility.
0: Nikki has actually messaged us. She says loneliness. That's also a big stress factor.
1: Social isolation, enormous factor. Yeah, absolutely enormous factor. It's one of the biggest triggers in stress. One of the four big triggers in stress is social isolation. And despite the fact that social media is becoming more and more popular, more and more, more prevalent, we're getting more get. and more isolated. Yeah. Because we think... We that think we're engaging. That we, yeah. We're not truly engaging. they incredible. So... Just like really, if I were to put a, a blanket summary over everything, the core success, you know, if you want to manage stress, if you want to manage your work environment, you want to manage your personal finances, it really begins with the work environment. And it, within the work environment, it's changes in the way you're treating people, changes in the way you behave, changes in subtle policy, and then just encourage people to be healthy. Encourage people to eat a little bit better, exercise a little bit more, sometimes take nutritional supplements, look after the environment, watch the environment. You know, don't go jogging on a busy highway. You know, those type of little things that really make make a big difference in one's in one's life.
0: Richard Sutton, it is always a pleasure. When are we doing our next
1: show, darn it? A couple um, of weeks. A couple of weeks. I'm back now. Amazing. Got back a few days ago. Yeah. Um, after almost four months away, but but certainly I'm here for a while. And uh, I would love to, to be on again and talking about another relevant let's topic. Talk,
0: can we can we unpack, you know, that actual stressful environment?
1: Absolutely. So that will be With part two of this two of, of this, this narrative. One. Is is what is it in organisations? How do we address it successfully, and where do we go from there? Absolutely. I'm very excited. And
0: then, after that,
1: after that we can. After
0: that, I want to talk about the effects of electromagnetic on our
1: stress levels. You know, so it is, it's a great, that's a great, a very con- uh, contentious issue, electromagnetic fields. Um, but it's something we'll
0: get I'd, by <laughs> I'd like to <laughs>
1: to re revisit it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked about it in the past, but I think it, it's worthy of of revisiting. There's a couple of new developments that have happened in the last couple of years. So certainly down the line, if it's in a month or in in two months' time, uh, we can we can talk about that and the implications on health and wellness and stress, and and so on. But if you do want to find out more about what I've been talking about, as as Kathy's mentioned, I've got a a book out, the Stress Code, um, and a lot of what I've talked about today is in the book with with a way forward, how how you uh, how you approach life and how you manage your own stress.
0: Yeah, go check out his website, Saturn Health. S-U-T-T-O-N, health.co.za. Richard Sutton, it is an honor and a privilege to always speak to you. I love our time together, and uh, thank you very, very much.
1: It was so great to be here. Thank you.
0: And uh, to you, have a wonderful, wonderful week. I will be back on your radio, same time, same place, for the DISCAM Medical Monday next Monday. Thanks, DISCAM. God bless. Be safe. Have a good week. Bye.
1: Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of DISCAM, pharmacists who care.